Texas beat up on Baylor bad on Saturday. Brandon Baker committed to the Texas Longhorns yesterday. Just a good weekend all around for the fans of the burnt orange and white. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are talking about the dominating performance we saw on Saturday between the Texas Longhorns and the Baylor Bears. In the second segment, after we talk about the defense, we're getting to Brandon Baker committing to your favorite football team. And in the last segment, the Big 12 roundup, everything that happened in your least favorite conference outside of the Texas Longhorns and the Baylor Bears this weekend. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we get started, I want to address the elephant in the room, right? I know there's some Rangers fans at home or wherever you are watching this on YouTube saying, how could he betray us, right? How could he wear uh, Astros apparel on the podcast? Well, one, I live in Houston, so, you know, I don't hate the Astros. They do a lot for the city. I support them when I can, but two, I just want to thank the Houston Astros for completely folding after sweeping us and, you know, almost knocking us out the playoff race. Since the Astros swept the Rangers in Arlington, we have gained five and a half games on the Astros and now have a two and a half game lead in the division with only seven games left to play with the peace of mind that either the Astros or the Mariners will lose for the next three days. So the Astros couldn't handle success and just immediately started losing to the A's <laughs> and the Royals, right? Like nine out of 10 games the last two weeks after sweeping the Rangers. And now the Rangers sit comfortably with seven games to go. So I want to thank the Astros for playing unserious baseball the last week and a half, giving the Rangers a chance to do the unthinkable, or at least it seemed unthinkable two weeks ago. But enough about baseball. Let's get into the football, right? And that was just a piss poor performance from Baylor on Saturday. Um, you saw the graphic that, you know, showed how close that matchup has been the last 13 years. I think seven and six. We've seen um, how close it's been under Steve Sarkeesian with Baylor uh, pulling out the first victory coming back, you know, after a halftime deficit. And then last year, you know, that game being kind of dicey going into the fourth quarter. I think Baylor had a lead early on in the fourth quarter before Texas took it back and ultimately won that game. And this game wasn't even close, right? It was over in the first quarter. Baylor just had no chance. Uh, they put out a piss poor product on the field, right? And my sister goes to Baylor, you know, bless her heart. Uh, she texted me after the game and just said that was embarrassing, right? It was embarrassing and Baylor sucks at football. And now she's a sophomore. She has seen Texas State beat Baylor at home. She has seen a Utah team without Cam Rising beat Baylor at home. And now she's seen Texas run Baylor off the field, right? So I wish Dave Aranda and that football team would give my sister a better collegiate experience down there in Waco. But nonetheless, I'm a Texas fan. Hook them, right? I got bragging rights for a year. And I was very impressed with what I saw, right? I think that, for the most part, was our most impressive performance of the year because they came out in the first quarter, knew they were better than Baylor, and played like that until the clock hit zero. And some things that I want to highlight from the game on Saturday – Really, you know, maybe just the first four games. These are themes at this point with Sark's play calling and game managing. Right. I think that that has been really amazing through the first four weeks. And that's something that we talked about last year. Right. A lot of people said that he wasn't a great game manager. Right. Great offensive line. Great play caller. But he was probably a better offensive coordinator than head coach. I think thus far this season. He's debunked that, right? A lot of people said that his play calling last year left a lot to be desired. At times, it was unimaginative. 
right? And I can't necessarily disagree with that, but Steve Sarkeesian is only a bunch of lines on a paper, right? He is only, you know, play designs and scribbles on a piece of paper. It's on the players to execute it and bring it to life. And I thought a lot of times last year, Steve Sarkeesian did a good job of calling games and calling plays, and we simply just didn't execute, right? And I can't blame the coach for that, although you could say the coach has to call things that the players can execute, right? Against Rice, I thought he did a really good job of calling an offensive game plan, and Texas didn't execute it into the third quarter. Against Alabama, I thought he did a really good job of calling the game for four quarters. Texas went out there and executed it for the most part for four quarters. Against Wyoming, I thought he called a really good game plan. It was kind of conservative compared to the first two weeks, but it was good enough to beat Wyoming, right? And they were going into the fourth quarter, tied 10-10, but ultimately they executed in the fourth quarter, got out of there with a win. And I thought he did a really good job of calling the game for four quarters against Baylor. They executed for four quarters against Baylor, and that's what it looks like winning 38 to 6 and like I said that game was over in the first quarter Baylor fans were leaving before halftime that's how bad it was so Sark has done a really good job of play calling and game managing and getting this offense up and down the field when they've executed and it looks like one of the best offenses in the country especially if Quinn Ewers is going to play like he did on Saturday and I love the balance I talked about last week how you went into the fourth quarter with only one more pass attempt than rushing attempt right Sark did a really good job of keeping the balance against Wyoming and then when they took the lead on that screen pass to Xavier Worthy in the fourth quarter, they did not run another pass play for the rest of the game, right? So he leaned on the run to close it out, but was balanced going into the fourth quarter. I think this was the same scenario against Baylor, even though they were beating up on them pretty bad. Going into the fourth quarter, 22 runs, 22 pass attempts. And then after that, 12 runs, three pass attempts. So Sark has done a really good job of staying balanced throughout the first three quarters. And then when the game is out of hand, leaning on that run game to close it out and getting out of there with the victory. And even though they beat up on Baylor really bad and, you know, kind of just were able to line up and run offense and, and execute that way, I still think Sark did a really good job of getting into his bag and being imaginative with his play calls, right? You look at the Xavier Worthy pass. They tried that earlier in the season. I uh, can't remember which game it was in, but it wasn't open. So Xavier Worthy just pulled it down and ran. This time he was able to hit JT Sanders for a pass down the field. We saw RPOs to Gunnar Helm. We heard he had a really good offseason, so they've been using him a lot, uh, getting him involved in the passing game. John Tate Cook down the seam. That same play that Xavier Worthy dropped uh, against Washington, that would have been a touchdown. And a play we saw Devontae Smith run for gears under Steve Sarkeesian. John T. Cook was able to catch that down the seam. Great throw from Quinn Ewers. And then I think this was technically a pass, right? You had Jordan Whittington coming across the left side of the formation. You had Jonathan Brooks coming around the right side of the formation. He fakes it to Jonathan Brooks and then tosses it forward to Jordan Whittington. So I think that was technically a pass. So Sark did a really good job of staying balanced and, and calling an effective offensive game plan that they could execute. But he also got into his bag a little bit with some, you know, finesse kind of, you know, special, unique play calls that really kept the Baylor defense off balance. And what I've loved so far from Steve Sarkeesian, probably the most impressive thing he's done is he's done a really good job of getting Quinn Ewers into a rhythm, right? He doesn't come out like he did last year, calling a bunch of deep passes, spamming Xavier Worthy, you know, trying to start off games that way. We've seen him come out with Quinn Ewers and start off almost exclusively with running the ball in the quick game, right? A lot of RPOs, a lot of screens, a lot of layups for Quinn Ewers. And then if he can handle it, then he starts to put a little bit more on Quinn Ewers' plate, right? We saw against Wyoming, he came out with the quick game, with the RPOs, the screens, the easy passes, easy reads. And for whatever reason, Quinn Ewers didn't have it last Saturday against Wyoming. So he stayed with that all game and then ran the ball when he got a lead, right? This game, he started off with the quick passes, RPOs, screen game. 
Quinn Ewers was able to execute it at a high level. And then he started adding more to his plate. They started going downfield, right? They started going over the middle of the field, taking more chances. And Quinn Ewers handled that at a high level. So I thought he's done a really good job of managing the game, but allowing Quinn Ewers to get comfortable early in the game and then calling plays late in the game based on what he saw from Quinn Ewers in the first half. I think Steve Sarkeesian has been flawless as a play caller and game manager through four weeks. And one of the biggest reasons why Texas is 4-0. I want to talk about Quinn Ewers, right? Because um, I don't mince words about Quinn Ewers ever, right? And I talk about Quinn Ewers the way I do because of the expectations around him, right? He's one of the highest graded recruits ever. We brought him in here to change this Texas football program. So I'm going to discuss somebody that had those type of expectations coming into the University of Texas the way I do, right? I'm going to be harsh when he plays bad and I'm going to be probably, you know, I'm probably going to pump too much sunshine when he plays well. I thought that that was the best performance we've seen from Quinn Ewers at the University of Texas, right? I know you can argue uh, the Alabama games, but I think that, you know, so much preparation and game planning has gone into those Alabama games that by the time you get there, you're just almost on autopilot, right? I thought that we saw growth from Quinn Ewers within this game. Like I said, Steve Sarkeesian did a really good job of coming out, getting him comfortable early with the quick game, the screens and all of that, right? Making it easy for him, driving the ball down the field. I thought he did a really good job of handling that. And then in the second half, Steve Sarkeesian put a lot more on Quinn Ewers' plate. And to Quinn Ewers' credit, he stepped up and delivered, right? Made plays, made passes all over the field. And what I'm loving from him this season, and this could be because of the 20 pounds he lost, when it's not there, he doesn't force the ball. He just takes off and runs, right? So he's doing a really good job of managing the offense. And like I said, that probably was the best complete performance I've seen from Quinn Ewers since he's been the starting quarterback at the University of Texas. And I think after week four in college football, I would still have Caleb Williams as their number one Heisman contender right now. But Quinn Ewers either is 1A or a close second to Caleb Williams right now, especially after that performance against Baylor on Saturday. 18 for 23 for 293 yards, 23 passing attempts, 293 yards. He was efficient and explosive on Saturday and then had five rushes for 16 yards and a touchdown. He did get sacked a few times. He had a 29-yard rush. I hate the fact that in college football, uh, when you get sacked, it counts against your rushing yards because, like I said, he had 16 yards total because of the sacks, but had a 29-yard touchdown run. Man, give him credit, you know, for what he did with his legs. But, you know, that was an explosive play, really good block uh, by Kelvin Banks on the left side, taking out two defenders. And like I said, Quinn Ewers was just magical on Saturday. He was poised, right? I don't think that he looked super comfortable against Wyoming. He came out against Baylor and knew that they were going to beat them bad with the game plan. He was flawless in the quick game, right? Whether it was the RPOs, the handoffs, the quick screens, uh, you know, the quick passes where there's one or two reads. He got the ball out of his hands quickly and accurately. Excellent throws over the middle to JT Sanders, right? That one-handed catch, that ball was placed perfectly where only JT Sanders could get it and make a play on it. Um, Quinn Ewers does a really good job of throwing the ball over the middle when he has time. We saw that with the excellent deep pass uh, to Jontae Cook when they went, I think, either four wide or five wide. And Jonte was in the seams. He hit him down the middle perfectly. And then, like I said, he ran when he didn't see any open receivers. Last year, Quinn Ewers would try to force things, throw up 50-50 balls. And now he's taking off, you know, extending drives, getting those first downs. So um, he's done a really good job with that. And he's yet to commit a turnover, right? We saw last year he made a lot of turnover-worthy plays. This year, he's made a few, you know. And thankfully, the defense hasn't been able to catch the ball, you know. But outside of that, he's done a really good job, right? If it's not there, I'm going to take off and run. Or, you know, I'm going to check the ball now, you know, as he did in this game. So um, Steve Sarkeesian has done a really good job of managing Quinn Ewers through four games. And I thought Quinn Ewers may have put together the best four-quarter performance we've seen from him, even though Malik Murphy did get in at the end of the game. Quinn Ewers put together the best three- to four-quarter performance I think I've seen from him 
uh, at his tenure at the University of Texas, because like I said, although the Bama games were explosive and really good, I think that's so much preparation and game planning went into those games. I think they just lined up and executed against Baylor, and Quinn Ewers was able to do that for the better part of four quarters in this game. And the last thing I'm going to talk about offensively is that this is a 12-personnel football team still, right? I think coming into this season after we ran you know, 12 personnel, I think on over 40% of our offensive plays last year, which was by far the most, we thought that we would come out and spread it out a lot more, you know, and and, and be a team like uh, those Alabama teams under Tua and Matt Jones, you know, under Steve Sarkeesian, where we're just spraying the ball all over the field and then running the ball in a complimentary role. Right. And I think what we've learned through four weeks is we're still the most effective running the ball and challenging the defense as a 12 personnel two tight end team with that power run. And then we can come off of that right with the spread or throwing the ball, you know, into 12 personnel with that play action game. But we still have the ability because of the talent in our wide receiver room and Quinn Ewer's talent to go four wide, you know, five wide, whatever, and attack you that way. Right. But we've seen, you know, especially in terms of running the ball, we've been most effective in 12 personnel. And I thought they did a lot of that against Baylor. 175 rushing yards. Brooks went for 124 total yards and a touchdown. He solidified himself in that running back one role, partly because he's been better um, well, I say partly because Cedric Baxter has been injured, but two, he's just been better than Cedric Baxter up until this point, which is no surprise. Cedric Baxter got his first rushing touchdown of his career. Uh, obviously, there will be a lot more. And I think this is the third straight game you closed out with bully ball, right? Against Rice, you tried to let uh, Malik Murphy sling it a little bit in the fourth quarter. Uh, but the last three games, you know, once you've got a lead and felt comfortable, you just closed it out with that 12 personnel running the ball um, and really kind of imposing your will on those opposing defenses against Wyoming, Alabama and Baylor. And when you look at it, not only does it afford you opportunities in the run game, but look at what your tight ends were able to do. JT Sanders, five for 110, Gunnar Helm, two for 37. And I know all of those, you know, seven catches weren't off 12 personnel but you have two very dynamic tight ends in the passing game that block really well for you. And you can get super creative with Steve Sarkeesian, like I said, in the play action or leaking those tight ends out for easy pass plays. So um, this team has just done a really good job through four weeks, you know, kind of finding their offensive identity. I think Steve Sarkeesian has done a really good job with the play calls, getting the offense going. I think he's done a really good job in 12 personnel and getting that run game going, utilizing the tight ends. And I think we've seen maturation and growth from Quinn Ewers each week. And this Baylor game might have been the best performance he's put on tape since he arrived at the University of Texas. A quick word from our sponsors. And then we're talking about this Texas defense who has been absolutely amazing all season. And then Brandon Baker committing to the Texas football team. This episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, full flavor, and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions they are fit for all times whether you're watching a big game or your kids game tackling work or working out etc with no hangovers ever you can find athletic oh my lord athletic brewing companies non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com first-time customers can use code locked on to get 15 off your first online order that's code locked on at checkout for 15 off at athleticbrewing.com near beer exclusions and conditions apply athletic brewing company fit for all times athletic brewing athletic brewing athletic brewing lord (laughs) 
All right, I want to talk about this Texas defense. Um, coming into the season, I said that if Jalen Catalan could stay healthy, this Texas defense would be borderline elite. They have not been borderline elite. They've been elite, and I think that we can probably start the conversation now. It's still a little bit early, but through four weeks, they look like one of the best defenses in the country, right? You can maybe even make the argument, if, you, if you're just sipping on a little bit Kool-Aid, you know, if you're drinking a little bit too much Kool-Aid, that they're the best defense in the country right now. And I don't even think that's a crazy argument. I haven't looked at any stats or, you know, I haven't looked too hard at how any other defenses are playing, but based on what this Texas defense has done four weeks, not giving up, you know, in the first four weeks, not giving up more than 24 points, this certainly has to be one of the best units in the country. And when you look at it, Baylor had the ball for 33 and a half minutes, right? So Baylor won the time of possession battle, even though they lost by 32 points and they did not score a touchdown. And you watch that game. They literally tried to the last play until the clock hit zero to score a touchdown and could not do it against this Texas defense with two different quarterbacks, multiple running backs, bench receivers, whoever, right? They could not score a touchdown against this Texas defense. They were dominant, especially that defensive line. They are insane right? with the production they put out through four weeks. They forced the interception in the red zone, right? Sawyer Robertson is just not a good quarterback. That Baylor offense is not good right now. Jalen Ford, I think six interceptions now over the last two years. I mean, just all American him again, right? Big 12 defensive player of the year, him, please. He is amazing, a welcome sight for this Texas defense. And he just continues to force turnovers and be all around the ball, right? They held them to 60 rushing yards on 31 attempts. Texas had 34 attempts for 175 yards. Baylor had three less attempts and 115 less rushing yards, which is crazy. And I said going into the game that Baylor's only chance was to get that wide zone going and then let Sawyer Robertson make plays off of that, right? If they had to, you know, just bring everybody in the box to stop the run. And that didn't happen at all, right? Because they couldn't run the ball. 31 uh, attempts for 60 rushing yards. Like I said, our defense was just dominant, right? Five sacks and eight tackles for loss against this Baylor offense, right? So they were just flying, had them in hell all day, right? We're getting in the backfield. And 20 different defensive players recorded a stat. That's my favorite part about this defense is not only do they play well, right, and they play amazing, but there's no drop-off when they rotate in players, right? They can rotate in the second team, and they can still be just as effective. They can rotate in true freshmen. And they can still be just as effective. So this has to be one of the best defensive units in the country. This has to be one of the deepest defensive units in the country. Shout out, shout out to, you know, Pete Kukowski and his staff. And they just throttled Baylor, right? Baylor had no chance going into that game on Saturday. We knew that our defense would give their backup quarterback trouble. But for them to not score a touchdown at all at home in 33 minutes of time of possession and to just look as incompetent as they did, you know, a lot of that goes to their offensive coordinator and, you know, their lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball. But a lot of that goes to how the Texas defense made them look as well. And they just made them look like they didn't belong on the same field. And that's why Baylor fans were leaving at halftime of that game. So this Texas defense is dominant. Uh, probably the best defense we've had since the Mac Brown era, you know, or definitely the best defense we've had since the Mac Brown era. I don't even think it's close. And you're looking at one of the best defensive units in the country. And maybe, you know, I'll have to see how they play, you know, against Oklahoma and Kansas, two offenses that have been, you know, high power for the most part this season. But if they come out and look the same way they did against Baylor, against those two offenses, then I'll probably be comfortable in saying this is the best defensive unit in the country with some of the best defensive depth in the country with some of the best defensive coaching in the country because they've been flat out lights out through the first four weeks of the season. Now I want to talk about Brandon Baker, right? We've talked about the present. Now let's talk about the future. And Texas pulled in a huge priority commitment um, on the offensive line. And it's crazy saying that because 
I guess, what, three years ago, we didn't even feel like getting commitments on the offensive line was a priority, right? But we knew that when Steve Sarkeesian and staff came in, we had to get this team ready for the SEC, right? And we've all heard the story about Sark coming in and saying, why do we have more scholarship receivers than scholarship offensive linemen? And I thought in his first year when Texas went five and seven, that showed, right, that we didn't have the offensive line to compete not only in the SEC, but to compete at a high level in the Big 12, right? And then you saw, you know, that kind of come to fruition last year with Kelvin Banks and Cole Hudson starting the development we saw uh, from Jake Majors, Hayden Connor, and Christian Jones. And I think they've just taken it to a completely different level this year, right? And I think that's why now if you're an offensive line recruit, in high school, you got to at least consider Texas, right? You got to at least consider coming to Texas and getting coached by Kyle Flood, right? If you've seen the level of talent they've brought in to this university, and then you've seen the development from players like Christian Jones, you know, Kelvin Banks is a true freshman, freshman All-American, looks like a top five, the top 10 draft pick in two years in the NFL. Kyle Flood is doing something special, right? Steve Sarkeesian is doing something special with this offense. Kyle Flood is doing something special with this offensive line, and Texas is winning games because of it, and that's the best positive recruiting you can have right? The offensive line looks dominant. They're going to start putting players from the offensive line in the NFL and Texas is winning at the highest level because of that offensive line. And I think that's the biggest reason why you got the number one offensive tackle in the country all the way from Santa Ana, California at modern day high school. And now with the commitment of Brandon Baker, you have the 15th ranked class in the country, according to 24 seven sports. Once again, Brandon Baker, the number one offensive tackle in the country, according to 24 7 Sports, 6'5, 285 from modern day. And we now have a pipeline getting, uh, you know, Spencer Shannon in this class last year, uh, the current true freshman class, getting Brandon Baker in this class. A lot of people think that Jordan Davidson, their star running back in the 2025 class, is a Texas lean at this point, even though it's early. And we know that's one of the best programs in high school football. So if you can create that type of pipeline, especially with Steve Sarkeesian being from the West Coast, and you can get the best players at modern day to at least consider Texas every year, that'll bode really well for recruiting and winning in the SEC. Brandon Baker is the third five-star offensive lineman that Texas has pulled in since 2022, which is crazy. He is the seventh blue chip four or five-star offensive lineman that they've brought in since 2022, which is crazy. And I think he's going to excel at the University of Texas. What they said about him on 24-7 sports, excellent, aggressive, physical, hungry, right, angry run blocker. Likes to drive people in the run game and finish his blocks to the ground. Obviously, we love to see that at the University of Texas, a natural and effective pass blocker, right? They said he looks, uh, you know, just natural and smooth in his pass sets. And that's something that we said about Kelvin Banks from day one. You know, I'm not sure if, you know, Brandon Baker will be needed to play from day one, uh, but it looks like he has that pedigree to step in right away and be successful at the 40 acres. And then he faces excellent high school comp, right? We've talked about modern day being one of the premier high school programs in the country. So they have really good players on their team and he goes against them every day in practice. And then every week he's lining up against some of the best uh, defensive ends in California and some of the best defensive ends in the country. So this is a huge, huge, literal, huge pickup for the Texas Longhorns, huge pickup for the future of this offensive line and a huge pickup to continue to get ready to win in the trenches at the highest level in the SEC. Love this move, love everything they've done recruiting wise since 2022, especially Kyle Flood rebuilding this offensive line and giving this Texas football team an opportunity to win at the highest level in college football. It's already shown paid. It's already paid dividends. So thank you to Kyle Flood, Steve Sarkeesian, our recruiting staff and everybody who has made this quick turnaround at the University of Texas for the last two years. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're getting into the Big 12 Roundup to close Monday's show. 
This episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So head to their website now to post your job for free. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, Big 12 Roundup, let's get out of here. Oklahoma beat Cincinnati 20-6. to You know, a lot of people thought that Oklahoma struggled a little bit uh, against SMU, beating them by 17 points. They came back against a Cincinnati defense that was really good, was, was flying all over the ball, playing at home, uh, playing inspired, and they held this Oklahoma offense to 20 points. But Oklahoma's defense held Cincinnati and Emory Jones to six points, and they got out of there with the win. Um, I know Texas fans are, you know, on Twitter – uh, you know, bragging or, or clowning Oklahoma fans for not looking impressive in their wins. At this point, when you get into the conference schedule, a win is a win, right? We'll determine how real Oklahoma is in two weeks when we play them in the Cotton Bowl. Nonetheless, they got out of Cincinnati with a victory, 20-6. to six. They're still undefeated on the season. SMU and TCU, you know, one of the most underrated rivalries in college football based on the trash talk I saw on Twitter this weekend. TCU is a really good football team. I told you that in the offseason. I told you that after they lost to Colorado. I'm telling you that now since they have not lost since they lost to Colorado, beating SMU 34-17. to And it's funny because Oklahoma beat uh, SMU by 17 and everybody said it wasn't impressive. The TCU beats SMU by 17 and everybody is saying that TCU looked better than Oklahoma did. I don't know how you determine that. I looked <laughs> BYU in Kansas, right? Kansas 38, BYU 27. That Kansas offense looks amazing. That's going to be a really tough test uh, for Texas this weekend. Their defense is not great, but they have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's a game this weekend where Kansas and Texas both score over 30 points. It should be a shootout in Austin, Texas, a really good game. Texas Tech 13, West Virginia 20. Uh, Texas Tech lost their starting quarterback. His shin was literally hanging out. His shin bone was literally hanging out of his leg. Uh, so prayers up for him. I'm not going to take this opportunity to clown Texas Tech when their starting quarterback suffered a gruesome injury like that. Uh, so prayers up to you know him, and I hope the rest of the team can respond uh, after a tough injury like that when you lose your leader. Um, and see him go down for the rest of the season like that. West Virginia uh, beat them, and I think the surprise is West Virginia is now 3-1, and one, right? And I think if they can upset TCU this week, it's going to be a tough task because I like TCU. I think they're a really good football team. But if West Virginia upsets TCU, there's no question in my mind they'll be a top 25 team in week five of the season, which is crazy. It's crazy that West Virginia is 3-1 and one at this point, but the fact that they're one more win away from for sure being ranked is especially crazy. You know, this may be, you know, what Neil Brown needs to do to keep his job. He's been great thus far. Their only loss has been to a really good Penn State team. So the best start that, you know, West Virginia fans could possibly ask for at this point being three and one after four games, when a lot of people thought they would win one to two games this year and Neil Brown would get fired midseason. Oklahoma State and Iowa State, just the mid-off bowl in the Big 12, right? You know, uh, Oklahoma State lost to South Alabama last week at home by 26 points. Iowa State lost to Ohio and Matt Campbell was cussing out a fan. And then Oklahoma State allowed Iowa State to score 34 points, right? I have not seen that offense so prolific since Brock Purdy and Brees Hall were there. They had 450 yards of total offense and scored 34 points against Oklahoma State. I know Mike Gundy has done a lot for that university, but it's time to look elsewhere. Sam Houston, 7, Houston 38. Houston got back on track after losing to Rice and 
TCU. They got back on track against Sam Houston. Uh, Sam Houston has now lost to Houston and BYU. So the Big 12 uh, is beating up on Sam Houston a little bit this year. But, you know, like I said, shout out to Dana Hogerson and Houston getting back on track with a big win in TDECU. And then Kansas State 44, UCF 31. It looks like Kansas State's offense has not been the problem. They have scored 40 points in three of their four games. They scored 27 against uh, Missouri. But because the defense gave up 30, they lost that game. So UCF scoring 31 on Kansas State. I know that, you know, their offense can put up points. I still think that's a little bit too much, you know, for a Kansas State defense. So I'm wondering what's going on there. And then, like I said, Missouri scored 30 on them, too. So their offense looks good. Defense looks like it's leaving a little bit to be desired, which is why they no longer look like the biggest contender to Texas in the Big 12 conference. So that is our Big 12 roundup for week four in the Big 12. Texas is still the class of the conference, still by far the best team in the conference. But Kansas and Oklahoma are definitely making noise as the biggest contenders right now to Texas for a Big 12 title in December in Arlington. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'll have more on your favorite football team tomorrow. Hook them. Peace. Go Rangers.